song if you're familiar with uh, Napoleon Dynamite let me read I'll try to sing it why do you love me why do you need me always and forever we met in a chat room now our love can fully bloom sure the world wide web is great but you you make me salivate yes I love technology but not as much you as you you see but I still love technology, always and forever. Our love is like a flock of doves, flying up to heaven above, always and forever, always and forever. I mean, that's when Kip cries at the end of the marriage. If you're not familiar with the song, it was... But I have a bitch of a time getting on to this uh, live show today. Um, it's about 25 minutes I started open up the computer. Nothing would come on. Then I had to go and do a scan and all that stuff. And I started out, it was like three minutes late. I am so sorry. Not that, you know, last week I think we had one person live. And they asked if I was uh, the guy holding the kitten and the Uzi, which they're not familiar with. Eventually, I just want to get... Uh, two live shows so make them call in shows or one call in show uh, we're probably going to do we're going to do one at I think 6pm this Thursday that's today being the 25th so that would be the 27th but the phone number if you'd like to call in today is 407-392-4563 that's 407-392-4563 63. I hope I said so. 407 392 4563. So I just wasted all that time for something that maybe no one's listening to. And if you hear this recorded, don't call the number or you can save the number. Next time you hear us live, you just save it and you can call in. If you're um, familiar with uh, what is another movie? Pineapple Express. Seth Rogen's character is a what what does he do? He's a, uh, a bounty hunter, not a bounty hunter. He's a bond. Uh, he serves warrants, and all he does during the day before he uh, uh, serves warrants, and while he's going on to serve warrants, is call call in shows and talk to them. So we're here. Uh, we're here for that. If there's anybody listening live there are plenty of people that come in later so may make it a little interesting uh, we get someone that shows up on chat and they don't quite understand what the show is about I guess it's hard to listen live if you don't know when the show is going to show up so that's kind of a clusterfuck but uh, we're going to do this as if you're an avid listener and you've listened last week you'll realize that my family and I went to Naples Florida and I have several additional things to talk about one is about courtesy most of the people were very courteous during this adhering to the rules 
proper social distancing, covering up, and things like that. I know there's a certain uh, animus to that in a certain segment of society, but we're not. This episode is not about that. It's about perceptions, and one of it is, is that now that in a hotel, especially multi-level hotels and condos, I guess they're all similar, that elevators, elevator etiquette has changed. Used to be, if you recall, not that long ago, that you would get a whole bunch of people on an elevator, you know, you pack them wall to wall, um, you'd have to worry about uh people letting off their gas or stinking or something like that or some uh, buddy sidling up to you getting a little too close or for the ladies and some guys getting a little handsy uh, with the other passengers but this one wow how people you know it's only been it's only been a couple months but now it's uh, they just line up in groups wait for a single elevator get on we were on the 17th floor. We had a, a nice suite on the 17th floor. It was uh, near the top. And there was no stopping. In the, in this, for the four days we were at the hotel, when we got on the elevator in the lobby and went all the way up to 17, rarely did the elevator stop. So I wondered if uh, they programmed it for single trips once someone gets on until that trip is completed, whatever button they push that there's no one else joining in but they aren't getting no one else is getting on uh, uh, we had a couple people come on to uh, our elevator maybe two two different people get on the elevator with us one sounded like they were Italian because they were speaking Italian not Spanish and I know the difference between Italian and Spanish and they got on they didn't have mask or anything like that which is kind of weird because if they were from Italy, you figure they were through, went through much tougher restrictions than we have here. So, uh, it, but it's really interesting. People you wouldn't think like young men and, and women who were, you know, always seem to be in a rush. I don't mean to grow up, but, you know, people in a rush, they go up to the room. They're not lazing about. They just want to get things done. They're going up to the room if they're at the pool and they uh, go up to the room, grab whatever shit they need, and come back down. So, But they wait for the next elevator. And luckily, it wasn't that busy. I guess that's one of the reason. I always thought that there's... Why do people wait? I mean, because there's no restriction to getting on the elevator. It doesn't say, uh, you know, if you're not with your group, you can't get on the elevator. Inside the elevator, it says maintain social distancing. I mean, it goes to the one side, and someone goes to the other. But... I mean, if you, everyone's wearing a mask in a public place, uh, why can't you stand within like two, three feet of each other if you're both wearing masks? Because that's the most uh, restrictive one. I don't need anybody to answer that question. I'm just saying, are people doing it because of COVID? Are they doing it to protect me or to do it to protect themselves? Or are they doing it because another more de- nebulous reason, thicker reason, which would be, what perception would that person have of me if I got on the elevator with them and rode up? You know? So, 
you know, because you really can't see someone's face. You can't tell if they're being reluctant for you to get on or not. So you, you, you can't see the reactions. You can look at their eyes, but, you know, some the eyes lie sometimes. Sometimes. Some people say that eyes never lie. Sometimes they do. Without seeing their mouth, without seeing the tightness around their mouth, you never think that. Now, while we were there, there was 170 people on property. That's what I was informed by one of the workers. And it was a big resort. A big resort. 18, 18 floors. It looked like on some of the, the regular floors, like 50 rooms per floor. And uh, they said over the weekend, and I guess they were at 100%, the past weekend it was over 1,000 people. Now, there was only 170 people were there. But when we went down to the pool, it was pretty, it looked like a resort pool. And the beach was open. So I couldn't imagine what that pool would look like with a 1,000 people. I guess I should have taken a picture of that. I don't think it's, uh, I, I, I'm reluctant to take pictures of strangers and post them on the, the show because it's an invasion of their privacy. But as you know, if you, once again, for avid listeners, we took my daughter's friend with us. Now, I'm not going to say her name. And uh, the parent of the child asked us to, uh, I think she's going to get angry at me for this, but what am I going to say? This is something they tell, it's not a secret. It's not a secret because they, they probably tell everyone that heads out with the kid that don't take, if we go someplace and are taking a temperature, one of those infrared sensors, handheld infrared uh, sensor thermometer, don't take your temperature on her forehead or at her uh, pineal gland. I guess that's near the, uh, you know, around the, uh, wherever the hell that is. But to do it at the wrist. And they were saying it's more accurate. And I go, wow, that's that was an interesting request on vacation. It wasn't like, please make sure my child eats uh, so-and-so, doesn't eat a lot of dairy, blah, 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 all that stuff. makes a lot of sense. You know, she's allergic to this, yes. But don't take the temperature by her forehead using, you know, that was a new one for me. So I went and asked the young lady, I said, what, um, why is it that you need to have your temperature taken on your wrist. And she she said that her mother was under the impression that there was radiation coming from a thermometer. Now, let me... These are infrared sensors. They don't emit infrared. Uh, they don't use infrared to read it. They use they use they detect infrared emissions, meaning the source of the infrared emissions are the people or the thing you're pointing it at. And you're supposed to do it from two to four, five inches away, something like that. You get near it because you could actually point it someplace and hit a you know, like a stove, and it could read like 500 degrees and things like that, but usually be a couple inches away. So I can understand the misconception, but once 
someone tells you that oh, you, no need to worry this is not this is not emitting a ray this is absorbing energy that's just what they're doing now if if you have a really you know if that was one of the things like you worry about someone having a three second passive measuring device which is an infrared thermometer I mean I would think that you might want to get rid of almost every electrical item in your house because every electrical item in your house emits radiation some type of uh, radiation electromagnetic radiation and things like that and the microwave the, the refrigerator the television they all the packed solid you know with electronics and we put them in our ears you know for earbuds and stuff like that so there's always there's magnetic waves if you were using some kind of detection device to picture the area in front of you wherever you are in a house in the in the outside if we were able to pick up all the waves and radiation that was coming through you would probably never want to step out of like you'd want to sit in a lead lined room or whatever room would prevent this this radiation from touching you but I always found it interesting that the people would latch on to one one idea you know that a infrared thermometer you know they were they were shooting rays into your head and it sounds it, it, I know it doesn't sound crazy because actually there's some people I I don't I am not a scientist I am not a scientist but I do understand I did take science classes I did take science classes and I understand where the origins of radiation begins and where you can ref- receive them or reflect them now that's different you could be a passive receiver of radiation your body puts out our body puts out radiation too so that's infrared radiation and a certain amount of electrochemical processes go in our body where we are we do do that that's where you do brain scans and things like that we do have electronic electrical impulses that go through our body but we are not huge generators of radiation but they the thermometers receive that information so it brings me back to these people how do you convince someone that something is safe or beneficial to them rather than like if they really thought that there was radiation coming through there then they would think the best way to take a temperature probably I mean you really even on the wrist then you're if it's radiation you get radiation on the wrist not on the forehead um, the best way would be just taking a mercury thermometer either the, the, the mouth or the other end that's the best way the reason they don't do that is time consuming imagine remember the old days you go to school nurse and they take your temperature it would take you know they'd have to shake it and then or you go to the doctors you put it on your phone you hold you hold it there for 30 seconds to a minute and you take out and you try to see where that line is 
I mean, used to be people used to put their lips on someone's forehead. So usually, hopefully, it's someone that you know, right? You don't want anybody lips to really touch it. So it's really hard to convince people that something is safe. And, you know, the there's some places that do it really well, like nuclear power. Think of it. After Three Mile Island, Chernobyl, God, I forgot the name of the place in Japan that got hit by the tsunami. How dangerous that could be. I'm not saying it is. No argument from the people listening to the show. I know you may work at a nuclear power plant. We, the United States Navy, uh, several other navies have nuclear-powered ships, and they contain reactors in close proximity to people. Yeah, I realize that. But they convince people to put these things... and. And power lines, power lines, high tension uh, power lines. The power lines that come down the keys supplies all the power uh, to the keys. I always it's amazing. It comes from the mainland down 20-something miles and starts getting distributed down here. And gets. I guess they do use a stepper to step the voltage down at these different places. But... It just amazes me that it all goes all the way down to Key West and then makes its way back. And uh, that's down 120 miles. Now, of course, that happens all around the country, the places where you have energy going out, in Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, and places like that. But that's a lot of energy and in that wire. And that electricity gets off radiation. People don't really complain about that. But they'll seize on certain things. And it's very, they convince people, no problem with that. Now we have 5G, which is a, a broadcast medium for cell phones. And people are suggesting that 5G is detrimental to humans. And I imagine if it's detrimental to humans, it could be detrimental to any living thing plant or animal Um, it could be whatever they convince whatever they build the thing as and I don't know enough of the technology to know if that's true because we know microwaves are harmful if you can focus on microwave on a person that's very dangerous Uh, we know that the uh, solar radiation is, is benevolent you know it helps with photosynthesis and and heat and all sorts of stuff like that, but it also can cause skin cancer. But people don't, you know, they don't want to blow up the sun, which should be very hard to do, I imagine, right now with the weapons we have. But eventually, some asshole is going to figure out a way to blow up the sun. They'll invent some antimatter weapon uh, to say they will blow up the sun or the earth or the moon. Who knows? But that's not a conspiracy. I'm not saying it is. So, let's get on to some of these conspiracies. And if you're here listening, please give us a call. If you have a conspiracy theory, I would love to hear about people that have feelings about things, whether you're an anti-vaxxer or a flat earther or a person that believes in the, I think it's a Phoebus. Uh, Oh, that's an old one. That's from like the early 1900s, the Phoebus cartel. The Phoebus cartel was... uh, belief that there was an organization that controlled 
the release of light lighting technology and that long-lasting light bulb technology was being suppressed so people would have to go out and buy on a regular basis replacement light bulbs I always had that feeling about mufflers and things that would wear out and it does you know you think with computers and things like that you only you really the screens change somewhat but it's usually the guts that change so you really would only have to take the hard drive out or you know that's just the, the, the guts there shouldn't you know eventually it'd just be a small card putting in there and it have all the computing power you need and you should be able to just upgrade that that would be a, a great laptop company think about that you say listen we're gonna we're gonna sell you one laptop it's gonna last 10 years 15 years and if you need more this you, you don't have to be a hobbyist you don't have to take it apart you would just pop this out back it up or back it up pop it out put the new one in and you got all the new capabilities of a brand new computer on the old computer I mean that's the way uh, home computers were like for the longest time all you had to do was take the tower but you really didn't need to take the tower the tower the shape of it pretty much stayed the same they have some fans in there and things like that and slots so all they had to do was change out some cards so the flat earthers let's get go back with the, the uh, flat earthers you know one of my regular customers at the bar I work at is a flat earther as well as a Rastafarian um, a white Rastafarian in his 70s kind of a and he's got kind of very conservative views for Rastafarian which I thought was kind of weird but the flat earth thing that has seen a new and this ties in with some of the things I said previously due to the inception of the internet there are people at every bent that can find each other and there's a a new resurgence of flat earther now in the 6th century Pythagoras pretty much understood that the world was a globe and then the rest of it uh, followed in the 1300s in Europe they they pretty much but Columbus had a pretty good idea that the world was a globe even though they didn't understand gravity and things like that but nowadays we have uh, so the way flat earthers get around things like NASA GPS devices um, pilots saying uh, pilots believe they uh, are flying around the globe because GPS devices are rigged and NASA is, is there as well as other agencies and other governments there to tell you that it's not happening like when a rocket goes up it's just going to be crashing the capsule crashes in the ocean either harmless or this or that it just doesn't happen and uh, these people have flown the, the gentleman I was talking about was in Vietnam well not I don't know if he was in Vietnam uh, he could have been in, yeah, he was he was he was in Vietnam he was in the Navy he probably in Cameron Bay that was the main naval base in Vietnam during the Vietnam War 
he believes he was in Vietnam. He said they believe it's almost like a um, an endless. Some people believe it's an endless plain, flat plain, with giant ice mountains on the edges that keep the ocean in. And I didn't get it far enough to understand. I guess the planets are just lights. They're nothing, nothing really up there. That's that's their thing. And I try, I try to hear these different theories out, like vaccine causing autism, and it's a shame. You know, vaccines could could be a contributor to it, but if it wasn't for vaccines, polio would still be rampant. There's a lot of other things that would be rampant. And who knows? There's a lot of toxic elements out there. We use a lot of GMO in our, in our foods. Why just pick on vaccines? There's a whole bunch of stuff. We pump steroids into our food-producing animals, chickens and cows and the dairy, um, yeah, to produce more milk. larger meat, thicker, uh, bigger chickens, uh, faster growing chickens, things like that. The same thing with uh, plants. So, yeah, I think, I think the conspiracy, sometimes they get confirmation from things that happen bad. Like you find out from DuPont or Monsanto, they were doing something to the seeds and the seeds that or wheat or corn, and it was a horrible box. And they try to, and they try to keep it quiet. I mean, sometimes, I imagine if you invest a lot in in a product and you brought it to market, you would be behoove you not to jump on negative test results right away. But I imagine that drug in the 60s that they gave the pregnant women to help get her sleeping, uh, you know, thalidomide. If they, and I, I apologize if I pronounce it incorrectly, but it's close to that. I learned most of my history from that Billy Joel song where he, even though it was history, the uh, Billy Joel song where he goes through all, all the historical events from World War II on until the 1990s, early 1990s, I guess that was. Thalidomide was given to pregnant women in the 60s to help them sleep. And it turned out it created uh, a, a much higher chance of birth defects in children. You know, kids coming out with some pretty horrible birth defects. And I won't even, I won't even make light of that. That's horrible. And there's drugs out there that create, there was, there was a certain, certain mix of drugs or cocktail drugs that caused people to have suicidal thoughts uh, homicidal tendencies you know there was a, a, there was a woman down here in the Keys who worked for I think she was a chemist I worked for her at one time she had a, she had a restaurant and she was a whistleblower and a whistleblower is someone that alerts the uh, uh, the the government or regulatory agencies that something is amiss in either you know the inner organization or a product, and this one was a medicine, 
or a medication that uh, caused people to have you know, uh, suicidal uh, fantasies or something like that. And it was, the reports were suppressed and they knew about it. They knew about prior to uh, uh, marketing to the public. So this whistleblower came around and said, uh, well, they knew about it. Okay, I'm not, I, I, I'm not legally bound because you don't know what company I'm talking about. So I won't get any trouble with this. But supposedly when uh, they, they knew at a time that it, there was a much greater chance of if you were taking it that you could end up having a, I guess they were called fantasy, suicidal fantasies or something like that. And then there were a certain amount of people that acted on it. So she brought it to light and she received a, I don't want to use, if you use the wrong word, a reward or bounty for coming out. There's certain, it's, I guess there's multiple reasons why they offer rewards for this. First of all, because you're dissuaded by your government, by your government, by companies, by certain organizations not to reveal things that would affect them financially and I imagine some companies could even resort to physical harm but more it would be like denigration of your reputation and making it very difficult for you to to work and uh, they uh, this woman got uh, got upwards of 90 million dollars 80 million dollars for that yeah big chunk of change so when people hear that, they think automatically they start saying, oh, my God, these pharmaceutical companies, they just don't give a shit. They just want to put it out. They want us to pay for it. They want to make a big profit, blah, 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 blah. This, just like this disease, like some people, uh, if you give it enough time, a, it's a really great business model to truck in conspiracies just come up and there's whole sites made up of that where they get to do that and they get their people and they get their doomsday prepper advertisements on their websites there was a uh, years ago there was the uh, planet X thing about the planet orbiting the sun that was gonna you know it was coming towards our planet and all this and you always hear about um, you know Every so often you hear like little rumors of people talking about reptilians or shapeshifters and stuff like that control society and government. Uh, they say people like Jay-Z and Beyonce are some of them and, you know, the Clintons and the Trumps, I imagine. Um, but uh, I don't think the reptilians will allow Trump uh, back on the mothership because he's probably not following protocol because his behavior is a little outside of the norm for even reptilians. But it's not like he's rebelling and trying to tell us. He's probably, they're probably saying, well, we can't have him back because he went, he's a little too crazy for us. Uh, we're we're shapeshifters trying to control this planet, but, you know, you, you got to have a modicum of self-respect. So recently, I think I'm done with those conspiracy things. I see no one I probably not anyone listening right now until I post this on the website people won't know it's a new episode so they don't know to listen to it and yeah you gotta tune in 
tune in live is not live yet. So I got I got to figure out how to tell people how to get to the live show. Like I said, I, I did that song, Always and Forever. I love technology, but uh, it doesn't love me, I'll tell you that. There was a new uh, young lady who moved into the neighborhood, and the neighborhood that I live in, the same neighborhood I work in, the Catch Restaurant in Key Largo. And she came in, and she told me, I asked her where she lived here. And not in a creepy old man way, even though she was in her mid to late 20s. I said, oh, yeah, I live too here. Where do you live? I'm like, you know what, young ladies, be careful about that. But, you know, down here in this small town, I guess you really don't have to. If I live here and you live here, if a determined person, you're going to find out where someone lives. So, and there are creepers here. I think I told some of the listeners about that before. There was one guy who had a restraining order. He always used to come in. He came in four or five times until I saw him on our sheriff's website that he, there, he was, he was, uh, there was a restraining order on this guy. So he was probably waiting for someone to come home. But uh, I would like to say hello uh, to Steve and Rachel. Steve is a friend of hers, and he was down here. He's an accountant. I had a nice conversation with him. But Rachel lived on, I asked her where you live. And she, she says, I have a hard time saying the name the road and I said oh I'm not going to press her because far am I uh, far be it for me to you know make fun of someone who has a speech impediment and I said oh I, I'm sorry and she goes why are you sorry I mean and she goes oh I just don't know how to say the name of the street and I said well, well you know spell it for me and she goes G-I-L-B-R-A-L-T-A-R which is Gibraltar. Now, as a student of history, I'm familiar with Gibraltar. I'm able to put that in perspective. As soon as I've seen that, that's Gibraltar. If I never saw that word before, I might call, go and say Gil, Gilbraltar, 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 Gilbraltar. And that's what but it's Gibraltar, and it's based on a name of a 8th century uh, Muslim invader of Spain who pretty much conquered all the peninsula back then for uh, during the conquest of the Muslims where they went all the way up to the Pyrenees and into France. But uh, Gibraltar, Gibraltar is an 8th an anomaly in the world. It's a strange possession. It's uh, a possession of the United Kingdom. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't have local rule. There's only about, I think, 30,000 people there. They uh, got it back in 1704 during a war with the Habsburgs. And the Habsburgs were a ruling family in Europe. And the English and the Dutch were fighting them, and they uh, put uh, troops on Spain, and Gibraltar is about nine miles, the southern tip of Spain, the farthest southern tip of of Spain from uh, North Africa, 
So it just creates a small, a relatively small, nine miles is relatively small for a, the Mediterranean Sea. That's a gateway to the sea. So if you control Gibraltar, you can control access from that area to the Mediterranean Sea and before the Suez Canal and things like that. When you the Mediterranean Sea, that was it. If you were outside the Mediterranean Sea and you wanted to get in, you had to go by the rocket, uh, go by Gibraltar. And you heard me say rocket Gibraltar because that's also a thing. Prudential and, and Steve brought this up too. Steve's an accountant, a friend of Rachel, and he said uh, he knew immediately what that street meant because he had applied once to Prudential Insurance, and the emblem of Prudential Insurance is the Rock of Gibraltar, and it signifies solidity, establishment, you know, it's a good investment uh, uh, image to give people. So, but without this concept that there is a Gibraltar, you wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know that, and you'd be struggling to say, well, how do I, how do I say it? I'm in a place, and a lot of these names, some of the names are, are in Spanish, reflecting the Spanish influence of the, the first European settlers, let me say that correctly, because obviously before then there was American Indians down here. I won't say the first settlers, but the influence of the Spanish here. And I thought, oh, wow, think of the perspective. It's really interesting that you can live on a street and not, not be sure. And I, I, I imagine there's expatriates, Americans, that live in China and Japan and Korea or even uh, the Middle East have a difficult time saying this name of the streets they live in or the district they're in. But I, I, I found that amusing and interesting that the possibility you say, hey, where do you live? I live, uh, well, here, just read it. And you might think, oh my God, this person doesn't know how to read. Nope. They don't know how to read. They know how to speak. They just never came across that word. And you know, listening to me, that sometimes I have a difficult time speaking. And I don't drink anymore. So you can see that was totally independent of my drinking. That speech impediment. With some words I just have a difficulty saying. I also, um, down here, I found out that there is such a thing as a, it's called a, a hot wife lifestyle. And I missed that. I missed, when I say missed it, I missed the inception of that, the development of that. It is a formalization of a cuckolding. Cuckolding is, um, it's, it's a term that comes from Elizabethan times. Shakespeare used it. It's a cuckold is someone that, uh, where your spouse is, and it's mainly attributed to men, when the, the wife is having extramarital relations pretty blatantly in front of her spouse. Now, in to the modern terms, cuckolding, the thing is where they actually have sex in front of their spouse and the spouse is you know the, the man is actually seeking partners for his wife and it's called the hot wife lifestyle I, I was reading in my news feed someone came up and said you know the guy who was recruited by the husband and wife um, in this one relationship was because of COVID-19 was 
going to move in with them. And I go, whoa, that became a thing. And I think, once again, it comes back to this internet taking all these weird inclinations. Let's call it inclinations, not relations. Because obviously, if someone's in a, in a partnership and both partners agree that this is the lifestyle they want, who am I to judge them? Who am I to judge them if that's the thing they do? It's not... And, uh, you know, and, and if I say something like that, it's not that I condone it or the thing. I, it's pretty interesting. I wish when I was single, uh, I, knew, I knew more about that. Um, you could take that for whatever meaning you said. Because I thought that there's a lot of things. It's funny when people talk about traditional American values that we have a strange past and what I think with traditional American values where Europeans got it more out in the open may have heard a story about a former president of France uh, Francois Mitterrand when he had his uh, when they had his state funeral for him when he died 10-15 years back that his wife was standing right next to his mistress, both knowing who they were. And I some people might call it enlightened. I don't I don't necessarily would call that enlightened. I call it more accepting. Meaning either, you know, this is the way that people live is fine. As long as it's not against the norms, you're not abusing someone that's not of majority, meaning majority age, be able to make their decision. Uh it's fine, you know, as, I, as long as someone has the capacity to do that. But there's, you know, the people that enforce these values and say things about traditional values, about um, remaining loyal to one's spouse and stuff like that. And it brings me to Jerry Falwells Jr. Uh, the, what's it, Liberty University? It's Jerry Falwell's senior son. And recently he, I think it was, couple weeks ago, there's a picture of him with his girlfriend, and their pants are unzipped. They're just standing there, arm in arm. It's not his wife. It's not his girlfriend. He really had a hard time kind of explaining. It was a smiling picture, explaining the picture. Why people pose for pictures that are in that uh, kind of position. It's kind of crazy. It was a guy who ran for president. He, he mentioned this once before, Gary Hart, back in the 80s, oh man, he would have, he was a great speaker and all that stuff, but he was just a, he was a, a major philanderer, and uh, he hung out with a pharmaceutical sales rep, I think, or something like that, or maybe a lobbyist, and he was on a fishing trip, and the picture that got him, that got him out of the race, was him, I think, with the woman on his lap, but it was definitely a compromising position on a boat, on the back of a fishing boat. And the name of the boat was, get this, the monkey business. The monkey business. How appropriate that was. So, potentially, maybe, as long as someone's not breaking the law or 
doing things that, you know, obviously people say, we don't want to make certain things a new normal. There are things when you have consenting adults and things like that, whether it really matters, private things. So the things that's going on with Jerry Falwell Jr. and his, between his wife, his wife was having an affair with the pool boy. Yes, the pool boy. I wouldn't say pool person. That's probably non-gender to him. Was having uh, an ongoing affair with between. So anything that happens between Jerry Fowler Jr. and his wife is just between those two. You know, the members of the church, their lawyers, the videographer, the pool guy, the woman that Fowler's hanging out, and maybe the directors of Liberty University, and and maybe you know we should just before saying anything, just say, hey, you know, we don't have anything to say about it, but Jerry Falwell, before you say anything about family values, why don't you just shut the fuck up? Jerry Falwell Jr. Because we all know about those televangelists. Every one of them. God damn it. Do it. One guy, um, I forget the name of it. Sam Kinison's girlfriend. uh, Worked for wasn't Oral Roberts. Jimmy Swagger, no. Jimmy Baker. Tammy, Jimmy, Tammy Baker. Jimmy, Tammy Baker. Jim Baker, I think he drugged her in a hotel room, had sex with her, felt her up or something like that. And, you know, it's always the big fall. You keep your mouth shut before you say something. It seems like whatever people complain about, they're guilty of. Now, I'm not complaining of it, so I'm not getting any of that. So, uh, well, once again, we have a perfect call-in show with no call-in, but the next time we have a live show, and we're going to do a live show, stay tuned for that. Find out where it is. I'm going to post it on. Become a subscriber of the Keys Bartender, the Florida Keys Bartender uh, on Facebook, and you'll see a picture of me and uh, of the podcast. And I will post regular updates on how you can get a hold of the live show so we can have regular people. I'm going to try to do it at least once a week. And when I do do it, I guess I have to do it all the time. Because who's who's that chick that does that call-in show? The Love Lines. Something like that. She takes dedications. I can't believe they're still doing it. Who gives a shit? You know, you say I have a dedication? Just get on Spotify. You call up. If I, I have a dedication for you. I'm playing on Facebook. You know, just showing live streaming. This is for you, Dolores. Dolores kind of old now. This is for you, Tiffany. And you can play your song, In Your Eyes, by Peter Gabriel or whatever, something like that. Um, oh, yeah. I just got engaged and uh, she caught me, uh, you know, hearing stories about me and the girl who works in the fry window at McDonald's. So, whatever. Follow me on Facebook. Uh, uh, become a follower of the show. Whatever you listen to, iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker. Spreaker is the app that I broadcast, but we do become. So, live, you will, the live, you'll probably only be able to hear that on Spreaker make it tough but uh, do do you know do any of you listen to anything live on iTunes I'm just saying 
that maybe we can get get a large enough audience and get like a nice maybe 100 live listeners and then we get another 5,000 to 10,000 people that support us. You're going to, I know it's going to be lazy, you're going to provide the content with your um, fucked up questions. I hope they're fucked up. If they're serious, that's going to, that could be good. That could be good comedy. Who knows? But I'd like to thank uh, you for listening in the future because you're not listening now. I don't think there's a listener. I'll find out. But I'm going to play our music. And uh, thank you very much. And have a great day. Oh, and my, uh, I send my best out to people in Louisiana and Texas. I'll, those hurricanes, Marco and Laura, kind of skirted the Keys. We got a little wind up here. They got a little more wind to Key West. But, you know, besides the little wind of rain, that we didn't get anything. Uh, but that's a, you know, the thing about it. You know, it's very chancy. You never know if you're going to get hit or not. We didn't have to put up any of our, uh, you know, covers over our windows and stuff like that. But who knows, maybe next time this is supposed to be very active. But my heart goes out to people that get in the old one two up there i guess marco skirted along the coast so you didn't get a direct hit i hope uh laura doesn't uh cause too much damage uh take care god bless come on music you know i love technology but as much as you you see always and forever